Welcome to Building Charleston, a podcast where we shine a bright light on the dynamic companies changing the landscape of Charleston, South Carolina. My name is Matt Chapdelaine, and as your host each week, I'll be bringing you the most interesting business owners in the Lowcountry. We'll explore how they got to where they are, what they're working on, and what their vision is for the future of Charleston. Thank you for being here. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. This episode of Building Charleston is brought to you by Lane Commercial Real Estate, the Low Country's premier commercial real estate brokerage firm focused on Charleston's office, retail, and industrial tenants. If you're responsible for your company's real estate needs and your company is expanding, looking to open a new location, or opening the first location in the Charleston area, give Lane Commercial Real Estate a call at 843-508-3038 or go to the website at www.lanecre.com. That's L-A-I-N-E-C-R-E.com. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Building Charleston podcast, the podcast where we take a moment each week to meet the leaders changing the landscape of Charleston, South Carolina. My name is Matt Chapdelaine. I'm the host of Building Charleston and the broker in charge at Lane Commercial Real Estate, the Low Country's premier commercial real estate representing Charleston's office, industrial, and retail tenants with their commercial leases. We are recording this podcast on November 1st, 2019, from the Citadel in Charleston, South Carolina. Today's guest has worked with over 600 businesses during his career. He's trademarked the process method of assessing businesses and improving their business practices. He has helped business owners and their teams identify and achieve their personal and business goals. In addition to being a business coach, he's a professor here at the Citadel. Most importantly of all those, he's a very well-known and respected man here in Charleston for his work and supporting those who are building the future of Charleston, South Carolina. Today's guest is Al Katz from The Next Level LLC. Al, welcome to the Building Charleston podcast. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for being here. Uh, From the lovely Citadel campus, this place is absolutely beautiful. We're going to talk about that a little bit at the end, Um, just because it's it's something that if you haven't experienced and you haven't seen, I think it's worth taking a look at. So, Al, for those who are listening to the podcast and hearing your name for the first time, if you wouldn't mind, just uh, tell us a little bit about who you are. Well, I'm from Greenville originally. That means a lot in Charleston to at least be from South Carolina. If you're not from the peninsula, and you're oftentimes referred to as being from off. So when I first moved to Charleston and I met my next door neighbor, she came in and said to me, you do have two redeeming qualities. And I said, what is that? And I had no idea what she was talking about. She said, well, you were from Greenville and you went to the Citadel. So you were, you were part of the inclusion in the Charleston community. Excellent. Excellent. So those are the two ways to get in. Um, how long have you lived in Charleston? Well, I came here as a cadet. I've lived here since 1992. So that's when I moved here. Mm-hmm. But I came here originally as a cadet and I fell in love with Charleston and always wanted to come back here. And so I was able to do that back in the early 90s. Okay. And what was it that led you to get here? Back here. Well, I wanted to be by the water. I just mm-hmm. loved the water. I thought it would be something that I would enjoy, and it turned out that was the case. I had been a boater and a fisherman and mm-hmm. enjoyed the environment. And 
loved the community and, and just loved everything about the history of Charleston and just wanted to be part of it. Excellent. And your time here has led you to become a business coach, very well-known uh, business coach. How did you get into becoming a business coach? Well, when I finished the Citadel, I went to graduate school at Georgia Tech. And while I was there, I met two people on the golf course that owned a business in Atlanta. And quite by accident, they needed a fourth to play. Uh, Their fourth (laughs) didn't show up for a golf match because he was delivering babies. And I ended up playing golf. Well, that happened two other times. So by the third time I was their guest playing golf, they asked me what I was going to do, what I was interested in. And I told them when I finished my degree at Georgia Tech, I had to go in the military and I wanted to come back to Charleston. And they said, well, look, keep in touch and um, we'll be interested in talking to you. So I stayed in touch with them, built a relationship with them. And after two years in the military, I went back to Atlanta Mm -hmm. and became involved in their business. It was a small business owned by two brother-in-laws. It did about $4 million, had about 40 employees. So what prepared me to be a business coach was the time that I spent in this business as a, a young person not knowing much about business at all mm-hmm. and spending time there unloading trucks, which I did on purpose to gain a better understanding of the business till the time I became president and chief operating officer. So I literally and figuratively grew up in that business. And it was a closely held family business, so I learned all about the dynamics of a family what takes place uh, and how it differs from a non-family business. And that was a great education for me. So, Do you still work with a lot of family businesses then? Primarily family-owned and closely-held businesses. I don't spend much time with a Boeing or a Blackboard, but I spend mostly time with family-owned, closely-held smaller businesses because that's what I'm most familiar with and that's where I can make the best impact. Okay. So how does a business coach work then? Well, the first thing that I do is I try to understand what a client needs because it's all about the client. It's not about the coach. Mm -hmm. I'm not successful unless my clients are successful. If they're successful, then I'm successful. And the whole idea is to create a base of business that refers you to other people. And Charleston is a great community for that to happen in. There's a lot of networking that takes place in Charleston. There's a lot of loyalty. If you get a foothold in the community, that really is helpful. And so that's exactly what happens to me. Are there certain core elements that you try to instill in your clients? Or if I were to ask that in a different way, are there similar traits that you see in your successful clients? Most of my clients' issues are, how do I grow my business? That's the number one question they have. They have good ideas. I don't work with businesses that are not successful. Most of them are successful but get stuck. That's why I named the business the next level. How do I help them get to their next level? The first thing that I try to do is understand what are they looking for? What are their issues? What are their goals? What are their personal goals? And we, we identify these early on and then establish benchmarks of how we're going to reach these time frames in which to reach them in. And then my job as a business coach is to be a facilitator, a mentor, a confidant, a coach, and a friend to help them identify what their own issues are and then help them identify the solutions to those issues. That way they own the issues and mm-hmm. the solutions. So, you know, having worked with as many companies as I've worked with, there's no way I can know all about the companies but I do know about the people and I tell individuals quite often, it's not what business 
experiences that I have and have had as much as it is the people that I have dealt with because that relationship building, getting to know people, building that confidence and credibility is more important than anything else because if you don't have that, you don't have the chemistry, Mm -hmm. there's no way in the world you'll be able to deal with them on a business level Mm because they have to trust you and have confidence in you. So that's the first thing you've got to do is establish that. And I find that that being able to do what I do on an individual, personalized basis is, you know, one size does not fit all. So everything I do is personalized and individualized. Okay. And you alluded to earlier that, uh, you know, the Charleston is a, a close-knit area. Personal relationships count a lot. Are most of your clients based in the Charleston area? Or? Yes, I'd say 99%. Of okay. Them. Occasionally, I will have somebody that lives in Walterboro as a business wall or Florence mm-hmm. or, those kind of, if it's a day's drive, I go. But probably some connection to Charleston. And some oh, that's yes. I just finished working with a company out of uh, this home based in uh, New Jersey, but they have an office and a business on King Street. So that's how I met them. Okay. Interesting. So with most of your clients being based here, I just want to ask a couple of questions about what you're seeing, you know, kind of going on in Charleston here. Question number one, what's one of the biggest challenges that your clients are facing here in Charleston? I think the biggest challenges my clients are facing are more of what do they need to do to grow their business in the Charleston community? Mm-hmm. Because they are homegrown, mostly, and then there's an influx of new national businesses and chains, and you can see this on King Street, because mm-hmm. local people just cannot afford to pay the rents. And so you have these national chains that are coming in, but the advantage that the local merchant has, and the local individual, local restaurateur has, is that they have established relationships with the people in Charleston already. And that's a really important thing to have because there's already credibility established with the local clientele Mm -hmm. and the local owners that the uh, new people coming into the national chains don't have. It's hard to see that show up on a balance sheet, but uh, but personal relationships down here are an asset and they do, there is value to them. They do add up over time. Exactly. Um, So another question, um, you know, how do you coach them around those those challenges that they're seeing? Is there techniques that you use, or is kind of each one on a case by case basis? It's all, as I said earlier, it's all individualized. So I go in and, and spend time with a client, and I'll ask him, you know, "What are your goals? What are your personal goals? Where where are the pain points? What are the things you're trying to accomplish?" So it's very important to know how to ask the questions because if you ask the right question, you'll get. The right answer. The right answer. If you ask the wrong question, there is no right answer. Yeah. And so it's very important to understand them and where they're coming from, what they want to do. So I spend a lot of time trying to figure out where they are, what they want to do, how are they going to get there, what are their goals, how are they going to measure the goals. And then, again, as I said earlier, my job is to facilitate them so that they can move along that pathway. Mm-hmm. It's their pathway. And I want to help them get from point A to point B. Okay. So then, and maybe more of a, a positive note, what, what are some of the advantages that you see your clients having by being in the Charleston market? Well, they have the brand that's already known in the market. Mm-hmm. They have the relationships already built. Charleston is, is really known, and I get this question quite often, who do you know? And if you look at some of these neighborhood websites, they're all about, you know, who do you know that can do this? Who do you know that can do that? I need somebody to take care of my grass. I need somebody to take care of my dog. And, and I see that quite often on these 
neighborhood websites, and that translates into the business. If I need something, who do I know that provides this service or this product? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a wonderful attribute for Charleston, and the Charleston community supports this. Okay. What trends are you seeing then? Is is community outreach online a a growing trend? Or is there other trends that you think are prevalent in the... the Two biggest trends that I see are e-commerce. Mm-hmm. I, I deal with this quite often with my clients that if they have a brick-and-mortar store and they have no presence on the e-commerce or on the Internet, that's one of the first things that we talk about. What do you need to do to, to have a presence on the fastest-growing segment of retailing, mm-hmm. as an example? We already know e-commerce is, is so important. And quite often... I'll have a client that's interested in opening up other stores, and then when we talk about it, we end up putting those dollars into e-commerce, which is much cheaper and gets a better return. They've already established an image, and now we just need to expand that. The best way to expand it is e-commerce. The other trend that I see is service-oriented businesses. There's such a need for that. There's just, in my opinion, not enough service-oriented businesses to fulfill the needs, and where I'm providing something for you because time is really money and people don't have the time and they're looking for other people to do all kinds of issues. And so there is such a variety of opportunities of being able to provide services, whether I'm helping you shop or if I'm helping you with your home or your business or any service-oriented issues have to be dealt with and people just don't have the time or the energy to deal with. Well, you lead me right into my final question in this uh, vein of questions. Uh, bonus questions for budding entrepreneurs out there. Are there any businesses or services missing out here that you think are you know that are needed that aren't being addressed? I think adding to the e-commerce is, is probably the number one thing that I would recommend. And the second thing, I know I'm being redundant, but that's okay. be the service-oriented businesses. Because I don't think there are enough of them, and I don't think I think there's always opportunities to grow in a service business, you don't have as much of an investment in inventory and brick and mortar and these kinds of things. But the opportunity is sometimes better than the established business concept. And that is to be able to offer something that other people just don't have the time and are willing to pay for. That's the challenge. What are those Mm -hmm. and where are they? And so I tell a buddy entrepreneur that they need to do start with research it's not so much what you're interested in it's what your potential clientele is interested in you got to understand that and be able to identify what they're looking for and then find methods to provide those services there's all kinds of this and i'm sure all of you listeners have heard these things but you know doing it Mm -hmm. not talking about it but doing getting out there and doing it so when it comes out there to get out there and doing it i know i know business coaches are being are much more popular than ever who needs a business coach well i think everybody needs a business coach i think that business coaching is really if you think about the personal element of business it's that's really the key Everybody's got a product. Everybody has a service. But what differentiates you in the marketplace is basically the personality of the business. And the business personality is derived from the owner, the entrepreneur of the business. And so quite often, if they get so engrossed in the day-to-day operations that they can't see the forest or the trees, that becomes a reactive environment. So part of my coaching responsibilities is is transition from a reactive environment to a proactive environment so that 
we can move forward, learn how to do things differently. You know, the opposite of right does not have to be wrong. The opposite of right can be left, meaning there's a different approach mm-hmm. to take. And so I often coach my clients to, what is that different approach? You know, what can we do different and how can we appeal to a bigger market and how do we maintain and grow our client base? I got to ask, is there a success story, a specific success story as a business coach that kind of keeps you going every day? Or? Well, the, the, they're plural. Uh, they're success stories. I, I love to watch my clients continue what they've learned and improve on it, mm-hmm. where they become better at it. And they we start out slow, and they can take it and move it and, and grow it and, and replicate it. So it's all about what can they do to help themselves and help others. And so when I see that after I've been there, they come back and they tell me their, their success stories. That's always so gratifying for me to hear how they have done that. That's excellent. This is all really good stuff. I want to transition to the Citadel, sure. if, if you don't mind. For those unfamiliar, the Citadel is a large part of what makes up Charleston. Uh, so many people that I meet down here uh, in Charleston either went to the Citadel or have a connection to it. So first off, let's just talk about a little about the Citadel. How did you come to the Citadel? What, what got you involved with the Citadel? As a cadet? Sure, yeah. What, what was your first? Well, I... Um from Greenville originally, mm-hmm. South Carolina, and the Citadel was going to play Furman University in a football game. And I was a very shy, reserved high school student. I didn't do anything really well, and I didn't do anything really bad. I was just sort of there. So I had, in my mind, very few success stories. So I asked this girl, of course, I waited to the last minute, and um, she already had a date. So I took another date to the game, and we're sitting there. The girl I really wanted to go with came in and sat behind me. And every time I tell the story, I can feel her knees touching my back. <laughs> and we were sitting there. And at halftime, the Summerall Guards, which is a, a precision drill team, came out and performed at halftime. And she thought it was the best thing that she'd ever seen. So I immediately applied to the Citadel. <laughs> now, that was the, the impetus. But uh, once I found the, the discipline and the structure and that I really needed, that became part of uh, the reason that I wanted to come here. And what do you teach here at the Citadel? I teach two classes. I teach a class called Professional Development, which is basically how do you transition from the classroom? These are primarily seniors. How do you transition from the classroom? You get a job, go through the interview process, network, find centers of influence, understand all of the etiquette, and protocol that you need in order to impress someone. Mm -hmm. And that's basically what this class is about. The uh, class I teach in graduate school is is creating and developing a business plan. And these are for graduate students that primarily are working in a business, and they they take that information back to their business, and and they grow their own business plans. Excellent. You are retiring from teaching here at the Citadel at the end of this year. What's your fondest memory of, of, of teaching here? I came here to teach part-time. Mm-hmm. I thought that would be what I would do. And I came over and met with the dean. And the dean said, uh, asked me what I did. And I was telling him all of these things I did at educational standpoint at Georgia Tech. And I had brought entrepreneurship to the MBA program there uh, from Babson, which is where Babson College is where entrepreneurship originated. So we brought it back. And I'm telling the, the dean at the Citadel all this stuff. He said, no, 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 no. What did you do in business? 
because the chair, which was the jolly chair, had to have someone who had been a executive, top executive with the business, had a master's degree, and was an academician per se. And the dean said, sort of tongue-in-cheek, you have to pass the jolly test. And I said, what's the jolly test? He said, they have to like you. <laughs> so I, I had the first three. <clears throat> I wasn't quite sure how to pass the jolly test, so I called my mother, who still lived in Greenville, and I figured she was about the same age as the Jolly Brothers, and I asked her if she knew them, and she had gone to high school with them. So when I went up for an interview, we spent about a half an hour, 45 minutes talking about the Jolly Chair, and the rest of the afternoon talking about their time in high school. So that was how I got the Jolly Chair. My mother really <laughs> influenced the Jolly Brothers through their time that they had spent together in high school. Then I thought I'd give four years back, because uh, that's how long I was here, mm-hmm. and then it just kept growing and growing, and pretty soon I realized that you know, I've been here 25 years, and when I realized I'd been here 25 years, I figured, well, that's time to give somebody else an opportunity. And I wanted to write a second book. I've written one, so I wanted to dedicate some time to doing that and to spend more time coaching. And so at the end of the academic year in May, I will retire. I've already given them my letter, and they are now in a search position to find someone else to replace me. Excellent. Well, this is a point where I typically – start the wrap-up process, and Al, you're a man who has seen a lot, your major impact on how Charleston has been built and is being built. Can you tell the listeners what your vision for Charleston is as we move forward? Well, I think it's really important uh, for Charleston to understand what is the balance necessary between tourism and the local community. I think that's Something that we hear about in the news all the time. It's, it's really significant that we obtain a balance between tourism and, and the Charleston community and to be able to minimize overdevelopment, but to be able to create an opportunity for all individuals to work well together. I think it's important that we continue to work on our education. That's why I've been involved in education to build leaders for tomorrow. I think that's really something that's significant. Having a safe environment to include uh, the issues that we're dealing with, with flooding and traffic control and infrastructure are all issues that I think need to be addressed. Excellent. That was a, was a good way to wrap that up. And uh, as, as a thank you for being on the show, I, you know, I gave uh, Al some pop popcorn before we even walked in here. Uh, his eyes lit up. So I think, uh, I think I'll be out of here two minutes and he's going to be digging into that bag. Um, thank you very much to the pop popcorn people for continuing to sponsor this show. They're not just a you know, supporter of the show. I'm, I'm a, I'm a supporter of them. I eat their popcorn probably more than I should, but uh, it's healthy. So you can never, never get enough of a good thing. I hope you enjoy the popcorn. Thank you. Also, at this point, I'd like to wrap up with a pro tip. Uh, you know, the pro tip for this week is is don't be afraid to take advice. As a business owner or a manager or whatever your role is in your career, you can't be expected to know everything. If you're in a position to hire, um, you know, a business coach, it sounds like someone like Al is definitely worth considering. And if you're not in a position to, to hire a business coach, whether it's financial or otherwise, you know, try and find a mentor or build a trusted network of people who know stuff that you don't know. Make sure those people are smarter than you or otherwise... Well, you know, really, what's the point? So that's the Building Charleston pro tip of the week. If you like this podcast and you want to hear more, please like the podcast and subscribe. The Building Charleston podcast publishes just about every week. Uh, and we have some more exciting interviews that are coming up on deck. If you have a unique story that you think the world needs to know or you want to be a sponsor of an upcoming show, certainly 
let me know. Finally, if you are a business in the low country and you're looking to expand or relocate your business, or if you're listening to this podcast from outside the Charleston area and you want to relocate your business to the Charleston area, please give me a call or email me. My contact information is in the, the show notes to this as well as Al's if anyone's looking to uh, get in touch with them. And I'd be happy to show you what it takes to grow your business here in the Charleston area. With that, one last time, thank you very much, Al. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. And uh, thank you to the listeners for listening. Go out there, everyone, and make it a great day. Thanks. This episode of Building Charleston is brought to you by Lane Commercial Real Estate, the Lowcountry's premier commercial real estate brokerage firm focused exclusively on representing Charleston's office, retail, and industrial tenants. If you're responsible for your company's real estate needs and your company is expanding, downsizing, looking to open a new location, or opening the first office in the Charleston area, give us a call at 843-508-3038 or go to our website at www.lanecre.com. That's L-A-I-N-E-C-R-E.com.